are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material, and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I've got Gareth Aird, our Head of Australian Economics. Gareth, good to have you on. It's nice to be on on Labor Force Thursday. What a cracker of a result. It was incredibly strong, yeah. Even stronger than consensus. So consensus was looking at a 30,000 lift and we got a lift in employment of 115,000 people. Yeah, look, uh, amazing. And this was the employment report that was going to fully capture the impact of the expiry of JobKeeper on the labour market. Um, And look, based on today's figures, you you can conclude that we came through um, the expiry of JobKeeper with no negative impact on the labour market as a whole. Uh, That's not to say that some businesses would have had to stand down workers, but these labour force figures are a a top-down view, if you like, on the labour market incredibly big lift in employment mm. over the month. Uh, that was enough to drop the unemployment rate down to uh, to 5.1%, uh, even with a, an increase in the participation rate. Um, it doesn't really matter which way you cut up the data today. It was very, very strong and it is all very, very good news. You're right. There's no way that we could slice or dice it that wasn't positive. So I guess, I mean, the question we keep asking ourselves is how long can the labour market remain strong? What are the forward-looking indicators suggesting at the moment? The forward-looking indicators are incredibly strong. Um, job vacancies, which are a, a classic forward-looking indicator because it just shows that um, the, the number of jobs out there, they are very, very high. Um, and it's not just c- concentrated to a few industries. It's very broad-based um, across a whole range of industries and a whole range of skill, skill levels. levels yes. And we, we've talked about this um, in the past. And um, you know, it's it's remarkable, really, when you when you look at the level of vacancies in the economy right now, and you overlay it uh, with what we found out today, which is just how low the unemployment rate is, and underemployment um, rate, and underemployment, yeah, which is a really important one because um, it's the combination of the unemployment rate and the underemployment rate that gives you the underutilisation rate, uh, which is the broadest measure of labour market slack. Um, that's at its lowest level since 2013. Um, and that historically has been very well correlated with wages outcomes. And if you go back to uh, t- 2013, when uh, underutilisation was at 12.5%, the level that um, it came in at today, wages growth was r- running at 3.25%. Yeah, miles away from the 1.5% it is now. Yeah, that, that, that's right. Um, so look, the, the, the data indicates that the labour market is, is tight. Um, it indicates that it's tighter now than it was mm. pre-COVID, and on top of that, we didn't have these um, measures of labour demand, like um, yeah. vacancies, anywhere near as high as what they are t- um, today. So you package it all together and it suggests that uh, the labour market will continue to tighten very, very quickly. And that in turn feeds in with our view that it's um, that wages growth is going to pick up. Now, we'll get to what the RBA is saying on that in a minute because sure. they obviously have a different view. So one of the reasons why the labour market has been tightening quicker than what a lot of forecasters had expected is because of border closures. Mm. So one of the things that you've looked at recently is looking at employment by the Labor Force Survey, an an alternative measure 
that includes all residents, which has obviously fallen because we've had a closure of the border. So when you look at that information, what can it complement in terms of our view on the labour market? Yeah, so we discovered a new uh, a new ABS release last week, and it's one that has only been in existence for a few years, but actually has a history going back um, more than 20 years, and it's called the Labour Market Account. And it's a quarterly release that comes uh, out after the national accounts. And that has a measure of em- employment in there that includes not just all um, Australian residents or what are considered to be resident workers, which means that you intend to work for more than 12 months. It includes all um, non-resident workers, which are basically short-term workers. And if you look at what that um, report is telling us in terms of the level of employment in the economy, it it said that as at the March quarter, um, employment was down 2% on where we were pre-COVID. Yet you marry that up with the monthly labour force survey at the time, and that was saying that employment was above mm. uh, pre-COVID levels. So to, to reconcile the difference, you then look at the number of uh, non-resident workers uh, or foreign workers, if you like, and that's where the, the big contraction in employment mm. has been. And to put some numbers on, on that, uh, in the March quarter last year, there were 520,000 short-term workers uh, working in Australia. And at the March quarter of this year, that figure had dropped by around 300,000 uh, to 235,000. So in other words, there's 300,000 less uh, foreign workers or short-term workers in Australia at the moment, and that's created a whole lot of vacancies because yes. um, those workers have returned back home and they're not being replaced with anyone because the international borders are still closed and they'll remain closed for the rest of this year. So that dynamic is is really important in terms of thinking about how quickly the labour market is is tightening and what that might mean for uh, wages because we've got an incredibly mm. unusual dynamic where we've just lost a whole lot of workers or available uh, pool of labour and, and it's not being replaced and it won't be replaced uh, probably until well into next year. So it certainly explains why job vacancies are extremely high mm. levels given we also have employed a lot more people. I guess what it really means is we are soaking up that spare capacity quicker and we may see that build up in wages pressure yep. earlier than certainly what the RBA is thinking. Oh, look, look, very much so. Um, in fact, we heard from Governor Lowe today in a speech, uh, which was billed as be- to be a pretty key speech, given it's coming before the July board meeting where the RBA is going to announce a couple of uh, things around yield curve control and the bond buying program. Um, the Governor talked a lot today about why he thought that wages growth would take quite a while to, to lift. Yes. Now... To be fair to the governor, he hadn't yet seen um, the employment report, which came out at 11.30, just after he'd finished mm. doing the speech. But you know, e- even without that piece of information, I thought he still sounded um, too downbeat about the prospects for wages growth to accelerate, uh, given how tight the labour market is. In fact, you know, the RBA was, was more optimistic that wages growth would pick up pre-COVID when <laughs> actually the, the labour market was nowhere near as tight and we had pretty strong growth in labour market supply. So I think it, I think at some point the RBA is going to come around to our thinking that wages and inflation will actually lift in, in a way which they're not currently forecasting. But I don't think that they will arrive there by forecasting that alone. I think they're going to wait till they see it in the data and then it will be actual outcomes that kind of force them to revise their outlook. It does sound like they're 
they're thinking at the moment is there's been a lot of inertia in price settings mm. in the Australian economy over the past decade. So they think that businesses will be more reluctant to lift costs or lift their cost structure. And that's kind of feeding into their view of inflation will take some time before it picks up. Yeah, look, I think that's right. I mean, at the end of the day, businesses don't want to pay higher wages. No. Um, but if they need labour and they have to attract it, then they'll have to offer more. And, you know, that's where you get turnover and the labour market picks up. And then the way that a business deals with that, if there's enough demand in the economy, they'll then pass on, you know, that increase in wage costs into the price of the goods and services that they're selling. And that's how you then get both a step up in wages and a step up in inflation which ultimately the RBA wants to see. It's just that they're not forecasting that we're going to get it, whereas we think we're moving down a path that means we are going to see those outcomes, and they're outcomes that we have not seen basically since the end of the mining boom. So we're about two and a half weeks off the July RBA board meeting mm. where we know they're going to decide on yield curve control and quantitative easing. We obviously expect them to or stay with the April 2024 bond and not move to November and also start to taper their QE program. Yeah, look, the, the yield curve control one almost seems a done deal. The, the way the markets price that one is mm. that everyone's convinced now that the April, uh, that the RBA won't move yeah. to November 24. And, I mean, how can you think that they would, especially um, off the back of today's data? I've got to say in terms of our call for them to taper QE, which we've got them um, um, delivering a package of $50 billion over six months, which represents a step down from the $100 billion over the last six months that they've done, albeit it's still a very significant package. Um, sort of feeling a little bit nervous about that reading the, or listening to the governor today. Mm. Um, not that he signalled which way they were going to go on, on that one, but you know, he's still got a very, very dovish tone um, in there and you know, still downplaying the prospects of wages, growth and inflation. But then when, those, uh, when that employment report printed at 11.30, and that's the report that they will take into the July board meeting. Um, they're going to sit around the table and talk about a bond buying program knowing that the unemployment rate is, is, is at 5.1% yeah. and underutilisation is at its lowest level since 2013. I think armed with that information and then also what we talked about around job vacancies and, and, and measures of labour demand, which are very strong, you know, I think it, it makes complete sense to taper against that backdrop and that, and that is the house view that we've got at CBA that they will deliver a taper. Gareth, it's been great to deep dive into the Australian labour market and what we can expect from the RBA. Thanks it was nice joining. to chat on what has been you know, very good news for the, for the Australian oh, economy today. Definitely. So you can read our reports on the May Labour Force report and also Gareth's report on Is Employment Really Back to Its Pre-COVID Levels? Both were published on the 17th of June 2021, the 16th of June 2021 on combankresearch.com.au. 